debunked logical fallacy that there was a difference between an autoimmune disease and AIDS because you caught the fictional AIDS virus exogenously from shagging a monkey and then sexually transmitting it to another human. Nobody shags monkeys, and AIDS is not contagious. You and a foreign toxin or toxic substance. An antigen is a foreign non-self substance that includes toxins, meaning poisons, bacteria, foreign blood cells, any substance as a toxin or enzyme. In other words, an antigen is a virus, a foreign poison that has no business being in your body's interstitial fluids. What kind of ignorance and ludicrous dark ages insanity does it take to believe that injecting 72 foreign antigens, meaning toxins, meaning poisons, meaning viruses, into your body is the best way to protect your body from just one foreign antigen, meaning toxin, meaning poison, meaning virus. Why would your body not be able to handle just one poison unless you poisoned it with that one plus 71 other poisons as well? But I digress. Back to the tests. Eleven years ago, 2009, nanoparticles for nasal vaccination. The great interest in mucosal nasal vaccine delivery arises from the fact that mucosal surfaces represent the major site of entry for many pathogens. This is false. It is the exit point for your body to excrete poisons enveloped in mucus safely. That's why you have a runny nose during your winter cold and flu detoxification, meaning seasonal antigen or poison removal cycles of your toxic body. Nasal delivery is especially attractive for inserting poisonous antigens into your body, as the nasal epithelium is characterized by relatively high permeability. The use of nanocarriers provides a suitable way for the nasal delivery of antigenic molecules, meaning a fast way to poison your interstitial fluids directly up your nose. Then we have the DARPA hydrogel biosensor and plantable nanochip that appears to be slated for the upcoming COVID vaccines that the U.S. Department of Defense and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have partnered with Profusa, a Silicon Valley company, to manufacture. But hydrogel nanoparticles and nanocomposites have already been researched for nasal drug or vaccine delivery, not just injectable vaccines. Hydrogel nanosystems have mucoadhesive properties, meaning they stick to your boogers and mucous membranes longer in order to maximize the residence time and hence increase the period of contact with the nasal mucosa and enhance the poison antigen or smart dust absorption into your body. 
Another study speaks about the development of intranasal, oral, topical, pulmonary, and rectal vaccines, but found the nasal route offers the most promising opportunity for vaccine administration of adjuvants, meaning poisons, mucoadhesives, smart dust particulate delivery systems, virus-like particles, meaning more poisons, getting around vaccine regulatory authorities, and issues for effective antigen or poison retention periods that enables its interaction with the lymphatic system. So the billion dollar question, are we being tested or vaccinated and nanochipped without consent? I wanted to show you guys something. I got a couple tests, a couple COVID tests from a friend and I wanted to break them down and see what was in these COVID tests. What were they really doing in these COVID tests? Um, do you see the COVID test says tip wrapped with traditional fiber? Well, this fiber that's on here is the same fiber that comes out of my body. These are nanoparticles. I'm going to show you up close. Do you see that silver? That's a silver color. There we go. See how that silver? There's a regular cute cotton uh, Q-tip. That one's white. But this swab right here is a legit COVID test. And I broke it down. And these are the same particles that come out of my body. These are nanoparticles. These particles are alive and they move. I just broke it down here. I can hold this right here. That's the silver fiber. That's what's the COVID Q-tip. It's shiny, it's silver, and they're alive. Do you see that, people? Do you see them silver particles? That's all this. That's this. Right here, they don't even want to let go. That's not cotton. This is cotton. This is the COVID. This is a regular Q-tip. See, the regular Q-tip, it's not shiny at all. It's white. Put it next to that. You see the difference in material? One's shiny, one's cotton. This is cotton. Then are your nanoparticles. These are all the silver strings. You guys better leave them damn tests alone. That's what you better do. Because they're not doing chipping. Absolutely not. They're putting nanoparticles right into your head. I know this for a fact because this material, these fibers, these silver fibers right here, these come out of my body. They're called morgellions. If you don't know what morgellions are, go look at what morgellions are. Dr. Casey has taken numerous fiber samples and says they're unlike anything she's ever seen. They are not textile. They are not any known substance. Dr. Casey was amazed by the mysterious fiber on Brian's hand and decided to have it tested. She tugs on it, but the fiber holds firm. Finally, it comes loose. We took the whole plug of skin with it. Dr. Casey and her colleague, Dr. Randy Wymore, take the samples to Tulsa's crime lab. Morgellons fibers are not any known textile, cotton or rayon or nylon, not any of those. What's more, the fibers don't burn when exposed to high heat. Have you ever done a fiber that didn't vaporize completely other than the Morgellons fiber? No. Many in the medical community are nonetheless skeptical, but people who say they have more gallons are okay. desperate. 
These are silver fibers. It's not cotton. This is what the COVID Q-tip test is. You see that one down there alive? They do their own thing. Look, he's trying to grab it. He's mad. See him? This is what they put in the head. This is their COVID test. They're putting this shit right in the brain. Close to the brain. He's mad. See him? He's getting mad. So you guys think I'm lying? I'm showing you live. Look at him getting mad. He ain't even breathing on it. It's fucking moving. Oh, he got mad. You see him, Micah? Mm-hmm. Holy shit, they really are alive. Look at how they're fighting each Look other. This one. Look. Look, they got a link. Now let me see if I can pull them. This is the COVID test. Oh, it just wrapped around that other wild. one. Wild. This is so wild, y'all. I can't believe y'all let these people put these Q-tips in your guys' head. And I'm going to come over here to the regular cotton. Nothing. There's proof. Regular cotton don't do a damn thing. It's not fighting. It's not moving. I'm putting it by. It's not doing absolutely nothing. 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 But these jokers right here? Trump's work the wrong side, but also trying to keep his own reputation intact while... Hold it above this one. Yeah, I'm going to roll this up to my finger, watch. Did he The same shit. This is nanoparticles, more jillions. This is the COVID test. This is what the COVID test is. But he's still trying to come after me. Mm-hmm. You don't get on somewhere? Whether alive or nanomachines and nano smart dust with magnetic properties, cotton swabs are not magnetically attracted to each other. On a Covate's thread, we find this alarming claim by someone whose name I have redacted, alleging, went to do a COVID test and they handed me the swab and I took off with it. When I got home and examined it, I found this holographic optical chip on the end of the swab. I ran a pixie scan on it and sure enough, I detected TC, technetium, element 43, a radioactive transition metal with bioinfiltrator properties, including mind control and DNA direct manipulation. Holy f... This is the holographic optical chip he claims to have found. Then, a conversation ensues between people with real names I've redacted, claiming, Wow, just as I suspected, found in a swab test kit. 
It is a pyrophosphate ion with TC99M, which adheres to calcium deposits. Calcium is known to be liquefied in 5G frequencies. Isotopes of technetium-99M, it binds chemically to many biologically active molecules. These properties make it suitable for many medical radioactive isotope reactions. When TC99M is combined with a tin compound, it binds to red blood cells and can therefore be used to map circulatory system disorders. And then there is a link to microscopic nanotechnology polymer fibers. Do you believe that this mRNA vaccine is going to genetically modify? Yes, it will. The mRNA will actually take a piece of your DNA out. It will replace it with a synthetic one and, and a synthetic piece. And they can do it anywhere they want in your whole DNA mechanism. So, you know, who knows what they're going to modify about you. But that also makes you patentable. That's right. They can own you. And uh, let me tell you, they've already started the vaccinations. They've already started them. They started them a long time ago because the test vaccinates you. So I have the article right here in front of me, and here's what it says. Yes, they can vaccinate us through the nasal test swabs and target the brain. Now, here's, here's the thing. As a doctor, I, I said, this is crazy because, you see, you're wearing a mask to cover your... Now, they would hate it. They would not allow you into a store if you just wear a mask over your nose. You've got to wear it over your mouth because supposedly the COVID-19 is in your saliva. Well, if it's in your saliva, then all they have to do is swab the inside of your mouth like they do for a DNA test. But no, they take these long Q-tips and they stick them all the way back almost into your brain. They stick them back to the back of the nasal sinuses and then they twist them. All right, here's what they're doing. First of all, there is a very thin plate of bone that covers the brain between the brain and the nasal sinus, and it's called the cribriform plate, and every doctor knows about the cribriform plate. All right, now the cribriform plate has some openings in it where olfactory nerves, nerves from the nose, go through that plate into the brain, and bone, uh, that, this kind of bone in the cribriform plate is porous anyway, so substances can go through it. So when they take that swab and they put it back there and twist it, what they're doing is depositing things back there. This, you can't see this, but this shows that they have nanoparticles that are actually on the ends of the Q-tips that they're putting in there that can get into your brain. They can be hooked up to the cloud. So they, they are already vaccinating you with the test. With the test, this is the beginning. So when you go to get tested, you are actually being vaccinated and implanted with nanoparticles. But what does our surgeon, Dr. Day, mean by hooked up to the cloud? 
many different transhumanism patents had already been filed years before the COVID pandemic was ever heard of for governments, banks, and corporations to hook their humans and animals up directly to the Internet of Things through the upcoming 5G and 6G smart grids and smart cities in order to track, monitor, and control all resources on the planet. The 2012 and 2015 AT&T U.S. Patent 101-630-55B2 was for routing policies for biological hosts, products to provide interfaces between intra-host networks and inter-host nano-smart dust networks within biological hosts, utilizing neuro-regional translations performed to route communications to and from the biological hosts. AT&T U.S. Patent 201301-42363 was for devices and methods for transferring data through a human body using short-range 5G millimeter wave communications through Bluetooth and other devices by transferring data signals through the bones and skin of a human user by placing a piezoelectric transducer microphone on or inside the body that could even occur through two human bodies making physical contact. We also have the now infamous Microsoft patent US 16138518 from March 2020 and its world patent W02020060606 for a digital cryptocurrency system using body activity data. Human body activity associated with a task provided to a user may be used in a mining process of a cryptocurrency system. A server may provide a task to a device of a user which is communicatively coupled to a server. A sensor coupled to or compromised in the device of the user may sense your body activity of the user. Body activity data may be generated based on the sensed body activity of the user. The cryptocurrency system communicatively coupled to the device of the user may verify if the body activity data satisfies one or more conditions set by the cryptocurrency system and award cryptocurrency to the user whose body activity data is verified. In other words, in the coming cashless society, if you want to get paid your digital crypto slave wages, you'll have to do whatever task you're told to do, and this device will spy on your body to make sure you've actually done it. But how will this sensor hooked up to the user's device possibly know what your physical body has or hasn't done? If you've been paying attention at all to this film, you've already figured this out. It will communicate directly with the nano smart dust chips that have already been inserted into your brain and body through the deep nasal COVID test swab. It is of no coincidence that Bill Gates and Microsoft hold this patent, 
as back in 2016, before stepping down from Microsoft to distance himself from this, Bill Gates, Microsoft, and Gavi teamed up to create the ID2020 project, which is headed by Kim Gagne, a strategic communications advisor with experience in the worlds of government relations, diplomacy, and law, who served as an executive director of the European Cloud Alliance, a business coalition focused on policy issues related to cloud computing. As Dr. Day said, Kim Gagne comes from Microsoft corporate senior policy and management positions in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia, and was a foreign service officer with the U.S. Department of State, or as Benito Mussolini said, fascism is the merger of corporate and government power. ID2020's goal is based on the United Nations member states adopted Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals, including their commitment to provide legal digital identity for all people on Earth, including birth registration by 2030. One of their four core requirements of the digital ID looks remarkably like the COVID virus and is a biological microchipping system so persistent it lives with you from life to death meaning if you took that swab up the nose it's for life in ID 2020's emerging technologies section we find that new technologies including blockchain when used in conjunction with long proven technologies such as biometrics now make it possible for all people to have access to a safe verifiable and persistent form of identity this is all, of course, doublespeak rhetoric, meaning the governments will now have digital surveillance access to all human beings that are nanochipped like livestock for the new surveillance capital industry. The behavioral futures markets being set up by billionaires and corporations, as well as the behavioral surplus industry and human biometric energy transfer technology for crypto data mining, powered by those people ignorant enough to take the test swab, vaccine injection, and luciferase hydrogel tattoo for their vaccine passport. Imagine this scenario. The government all-seeing AI tells you to go to a specific location and dig a ditch all day, and you will get paid whatever non-negotiable amount of digital cryptocurrency credits that they choose into your account. If you don't do it because you don't want to be a ditch digger, the nano-smart dust sensors inside of your body broadcasting your every location, movement, and biometrics back to the government AI through the wireless 5G sensor interfaces will give you away. Your social credit score will be lowered to restrict all allowed activities and travel possibilities, and you will receive no digital currency credit in your account as punishment for failing to complete the task you are dictated. As Klaus Schwab put it, you will own nothing and you'll be happy about it. As George Orwell put it, if you want a vision of the future, imagine a boot stomping on a human face forever.
aside from all of that good family fun, a 2018 article in Science Daily stated new research by scientists shows that when cellular barriers are exposed to metal nanoparticles, cellular messengers are released that may cause damage to the DNA of developing brain cells, meaning brain damage, during their interactions with cell membranes and the internalization into cells, altering key signaling pathways and processes. Which brings us to Part 2, the mRNA vaccine, anaphylaxis, and AIDS. Rocco, let's, let's make sure we're clear on something. Let's stipulate that this is not a vaccine. Uh, I mean, we need to be really clear. We're using the term vaccine to sneak this thing under public health um, exemptions. This is not a vaccine. This is a mRNA packaged in a fat envelope that is delivered to a cell. It is a medical device designed to stimulate the human cell into becoming a pathogen creator. It is not a vaccine. Vaccines actually are a legally defined term, and they're a legally defined term under public health law. They're a legally defined term under CDC and FDA standards, and a vaccine specifically has to stimulate both an immunity within the person receiving it, but it also has to disrupt transmission. And that's not what this is. They have been abundantly clear in saying that the mRNA strand that is going into the cell is not to stop transmission. It is a treatment. But if it was discussed as a treatment, it would not get the sympathetic ear of public health authorities because then people would say, well, what other treatments are there? The use of the term vaccine is unconscionable for both the legal definition term of it, but also because it actually is a sucker punch to open and free discourse. Because by saying vaccine, you dump it into a thing where you could be anti or pro the therapy. But if you actually talked about it as a therapy, remember, and people forget this, Moderna was started as a chemotherapy company for cancer, not a vaccine manufacturer for SARS. You know, if we said we're going to give people prophylactic chemotherapy for the cancer they don't have, you'd be laughed out of a room because it's a stupid idea. That's exactly what this is. This is a mechanical device in the form of a very small packet of technology that is being inserted into the human system to activate the cell to become a pathogen manufacturing site. And I refuse to stipulate in any conversations that this is in fact a vaccine issue. The only reason why the term is being used is to abuse the 1905 Jacobson case that has been misrepresented since it was written. And if we were honest with this, we would actually call it what it is. It is 
clear on making sure we don't fall for their game because their game is if we talk about it as a vaccine, then we're going to get into a vaccine conversation. But this is not, by their own admission, a vaccine. So and as a result, it must be clear to everyone listening that we will not fall for this failed definition, just like we won't fall for their industrial chemical definition of health, because both of them are functionally flawed and are an explicit violation of the legal construct that is being exploited. So what should I be referring to, uh, to it as? A chemical agent or... Correct. It's a it's a synthetic pathogen. They've literally injected the synthet the very pathogenic part of the virus into every cell of the body. When you say pathogen, that says to me it's going to get me make me sick. Correct. So they it's made to make you sick, Rocco. Rocco, remember that eighty percent of the people allegedly exposed to allegedly SARS-CoV two. So let's not get into that rabbit hole, but. Right. 80% of the people who are exposed to allegedly the virus have no symptoms at all. They're called asymptomatic carriers. 80% of the people who get this injected into them have a clinical adverse event. Correct. Right. You, you are getting injected with a chemical substance to induce illness, Correct. not to induce a immuno transmissive response. In other words, nothing about this is going to stop you from transmitting anything. This is about getting you sick and having your own cells be the thing that get you sick. Correct. So it's going it's to trigger an autoimmune response? It can, and it can among many things. Among many things. It can actually directly cause um, multiple sclerosis, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, Alzheimer's disease, because that's what the expression of that pathogenic envelope. It can cause accelerated cancer. What Dr. Martin, Dr. Mikovits, and Dr. Andrew Wakefield are pointing out. An mRNA COVID-19 vaccine is not a vaccine at all. It doesn't elicit an immune response. It has to be turned into a foreign protein or antigen, meaning poison. And it's this poisonous foreign protein, in turn, that creates your natural immune response. A messenger RNA quote-unquote vaccine is actually genetic engineering. You'll have your own genetically reprogrammed cells in your own body that will produce poisonous proteins to which your immune system will mount an immune response against. That's called an autoimmune disease, which used to be called AIDS. The potential for this to go horribly wrong is enormous. At the end of this film, we'll show you the alarmingly high cases of death, paralysis, tachycardia, pruritus, delirium, hyperpyrexia, and anaphylactic shock from these new mRNA injections that are being hidden from you by the media. But why is this happening to people? 
Our bodies have a biological intelligence that considers any foreign non-self protein, meaning antigen, meaning poison, that is not made by our own cells to perform a function needed by our body as a toxic foreign intruder and is designed to destroy and remove that poisonous protein antigen. Our DNA has four nitrogenous nucleic acid bases, meaning made of nitrogen or nitrogen-like, that combine in varying combination sequences of these bases to code for the creation of specific proteins our bodies need to make. Our mRNA, or messenger RNA, is the go-between instructional codes that tell the ribosomes in our cells how to link different amino acids together to form a specific needed protein by the body. What these new, untested Frankenstein human genetic modification injections are actually doing is inserting a new messenger RNA coding sequence into your body's cells that instructs your ribosomes to create a foreign microbial protein, meaning antigen, meaning poison, that has no business being inside your body so your body will go into anaphylactic shock and attack it if you are wondering why people are dropping dead or getting severely sick go pet an angry rattlesnake or king cobra and see how your body reacts after venomous foreign protein antigens enter into your bloodstream only now your own cells are programmed to constantly inject venom into your interstitial fluids and that's how people get the only way people can get swine flu is if they're they've taken the animal the, the pig tissue grown it in a solvent toxic environment and then these swine cells create a virus to break itself down okay now let's, okay. Let, okay that right. it can you can inject it into human and then you will find those actual swine tissue in there it's just you have a waste product that now the body has to clean that waste product out of the body and it's going to be very alarmed because you've got foreign tissue in there injected into the body that's why Guillain-Barre disease that's why anaphylactic shock occurs when you inject people with foreign debris foreign tissue it goes into shock it can even die from the shock of foreign tissue being injected into you the COVID's mRNA vaccine is designed to give you an autoimmune disease which is caused due to different alterations in the immune system which are triggered by the exposure to various exogenous and endogenous antigens or poisons. Exogenous means poisons from outside of your body like an injection. Endogenous means poisons created inside of your body as this injection programs your own cells to create. They are admittedly and literally giving you AIDS. It is a false debunked logical fallacy that there was a difference between an autoimmune disease and AIDS. 
because you caught the fictional AIDS virus exogenously from shagging a monkey and then sexually transmitting it to another human. Nobody shags monkeys, and AIDS is not contagious. You and even your babies were injected with the AIDS antigen. You didn't catch it. In fact, hundreds of normal medical conditions trigger a false positive AIDS test, which is just a poisonous antigen detection test. You may think you have it, but you don't. Makes perfect sense. Now, now you say that AIDS was created in a laboratory. Yes, in Los in uh, Los UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, nineteen sixty one and sixty two, they uh, created a um, a mixture. Uh, what they did was combine the waste product, the virus of um, of a bovine, the. Uh, um, lymphonomic virus of a sheep and the uh, leukemic virus of a bovine. The way you can only get a virus, like I said, is if the tissue is so toxic with chemicals that bacteria can't do their normal janitorial work and eat the organic tissue and then reduce the waste and eliminate little waste. When your body makes a solvent, the way that to, which is a virus, a solvent is a virus, it's just soap, it's not alive. So no nucleus, no respiratory system, no digestive tract, no circulatory system. There's none of that. So it's not alive. It's a waste product. Right. It's dissolved animal tissue. Right. Okay. But, but, but now, and but, specific animal tissue. So what they do is they take animal tissue and put it in a Petri dish in a contaminated environment, but with enough solution to keep them alive. So the cells start taking themselves apart with solvents. But what, and it will eventually kill the cell. This, this virus will kill the cell. It'll kill itself by poisoning itself and taking itself apart. I want to I ask you to elaborate more about the, the AIDS virus. So the AIDS virus is created in, in a lab at UCLA. For what purpose would they create something like that? They, create, they were trying to create, according to the records that I got to see, and they were discovered by a Dr. Robert Strecker. Um, I'm a nutritional doctor, got my PhD in nutrition. Uh, Dr. Strecker has like four doctorates, and one is in biochemistry and virology. Right. Now, the only way that you can make a virus is to put it in a Petri dish with the animal tissue. Okay, the only way that animal tissue can ever get into a human is if it is injected right. on another animal. Right. So what they did was they incubated these two diseases from both a sheep and a cow, the leukemic virus of a cow, the bovine, and the lymphonomic virus of a the sheep. They put those two together and created a new kind of uh, deadly um, biological warfare disease. So now, they you, did that. Was that so the they, reason for it? Were they trying to come up with a new biohazard, a new biological well, warfare? Well, they could have been the reason, but they put in their paperwork, it was to create cancer, it was to force cancer in laboratory animals so they uh, could study cancer. Okay. That is very suspicious reasoning to me, to come up with some, yeah, something because there's, lots of like there's already lots of agents out there that will cause spontaneous tumor and cancers in, in rats. Exactly. I mean, you can put cadmium in it, and you right. can have kidney cancer in weeks, you right. know, overloading with cadmium. There are lots of ways. So this was a suspicious reasoning for me, uh, to my thinking. But it was done. 
Dr. Strecker uh, called his brother, who was an attorney, and said, this is where it leads, follow it. So his brother checked the uh, NSA, the War Department, and yes, that information had been sent to those departments, and it was allowed, it was given the green light to be used um, in experiments. So we found out the experiments were un undesirables. They figured that in these particular um, committees that the undesirables were homosexuals. Right. Now, how could they administer this to homosexuals to see the, the consequences oh, I, of this particular formulation? Well, you just have to find homosexuals who are also intravenous drug users and then, and then spike the heroin or the speed or whatever they're shooting with some of this stuff, I guess. No, you still can't get a good population that way. Okay. What they found was that in Los Angeles, New York City, Houston, um, and San Francisco, that... 90% of the people who were being treated for hepatitis were homosexuals because they used a lot of drugs. Uh, damaged the liver. So hepatitis is a viral detoxification because there's so many chemicals in the liver, your bacteria from the liver can't clean it. So your body has to, your, the liver cells have to make solvents, which are again viruses. So it makes a self-cleansing cleansing substance. So your all of your hepatitises are diseases trying to reverse a toxic condition where the liver is about to stop working completely. When you get to hepatitis, that means your liver is in terrible shape. No bacteria can help you. So you're saying they contaminated the hepatitis vaccine? The vaccine. Oh. With the, this AIDS virus. And they injected, that's why 10% of the population in those cities who got AIDS were not homosexuals, they were heterosexuals. Oh, my God. Then they went and put it in the smallpox vaccine. The U.S. government and the U.K. government donated hundreds of millions of dollars of smallpox vaccine to African countries. And then all of these do-good-meaning do groups, you know, go out and administer and going to save the world by giving all these vaccines to African children and everybody to save their lives, were, you know, from smallpox, were given this AIDS virus in the smallpox vaccine. That's amazing. 125 million were donated. How many cases of, of uh, AIDS were propped up in Africa within a year? I don't know that number, but I remember it was like 95 the million. Right. 75 million people died. Then what the U.S. government and the U.K. government did went to those countries and said, listen, we have, you know, help for AIDS. We have a chemotherapy, which is AZT. Right. We have chemotherapy that we can help your people with. We can help you stop this disease. We can treat your people. We'll bring the medical in, but you will owe us a lot of money. Now, they charged so much money that no way these countries could pay back. So when all was done and said and done and all these people were dead and very few people ever came through the AIDS without death, the U.S. government and U.K. government says, oh, you owe us this much money. If you can't pay it, you owe us your country's resources. Wow. 
So they turned over the country's resources to be run by the World Bank. So that took, we took over, the U.S. government and the U.K. government took over 27 African countries with that AIDS hoax and, and, and inundation. It's just like they used a different kind of warfare to usurp another country's, you know, resources. It's like war, like, you know, uh, any, the Spanish, you know, uh, the Romans. It's the it's, but it's a stealth, they're waging a stealth war, because, almost like a Trojan horse war, because they are being perceived, as they're being invited in, they're being perceived as the saviors, but they're really the ones creating the problem so that they can come in and, and, and finish the job. Now, Absolutely. Well, and if you read the book, uh, Confessions of a Financial Hit Band, I think that's the title. Uh, it talks of this man who worked for the U.S. government and the CIA. They went in and, uh, you know, loaned great amounts of money to foreign countries, foreign governments that could never pay it back and then would take over their resources. Wow. Look, that